One of my favorite moments this past year was just a few weeks ago. It was the Wednesday before Thanksgiving. And uh, my wife, Sydney, and I and our boys, we made the 10-hour drive to Charleston. My sister and her husband went there. My brother was home. And so it's kind of that day before we're, you know, going out to eat. We're going to see movies. We're shopping, just kind of doing the, the natural, you know, we have a break from everything uh, type of mentality. And if you've ever tried to get a large family to leave the house on time for anything. You know that this is like an act of God if you can make it work right. And so I was kind of in charge of getting everybody out of the house and it wasn't working. It was like herding cats. And so I I take my boys and I put put my boys in the car. I thought if the kids are in the car, maybe everybody will come, but it doesn't work. They're all just kind of lingering. And so I go back in to round everybody up. And as everyone's getting ready to leave the room, I hear my sister say, hey, uh, we want to show you some pictures from our trip to Disney real quick. And I'm like, oh, you know, there's nothing. So she pulls out this photo album that they had printed up at Shutterfly, and she sits down on the couch with my mom and dad. And to be honest, I'm just kind of losing my mind. I'm losing it internally. I'm keeping it together externally, but I'm just, let's get out of the house. We're hungry. And so she's showing them these pictures from Disney. And as they're getting towards the last page, I start picking up the keys, trying to get everybody. My brother-in-law puts his hand on my shoulder. He said, hey, there's one picture you're going to want to see. It's at the end. And so she flips it over, and it's this picture of an ultrasound, and it says, baby's first trip to Disney. And uh, yeah, yeah, that's sweet. And um, <laughs> I, I look at it, and I'm like, whoa. I start connecting dots, and my mom connects the dots first because she's got that grandmother's intuition. And if you have never been around a woman who hears that she's going to be a grandmother again. You haven't lived. I mean, there's just like this eruption of joy. It's like an exorcism of joy just comes out of her. She's screaming and my wife comes in and everybody knows what's happening. And then I think about how they got pregnant. I'm trying to beat up my brother-in-law and, you know, (laughs) keep your hands off my sister, man. It just kind of this amazing like moment, ordinary Wednesday. And then everything gets turned upside down with this announcement of joy. Like it's crazy. The next two or three days, everything came back to that conversation. Everything made its way back to the baby that was going to come and things that were going to change. It was just as exciting. And I kept thinking of that picture all week as I was reading through Luke chapter 2 because these guys are just having an ordinary day. These shepherds, I mean, minimum wage job. No one wants to be a shepherd in the first century. They're going to their ordinary job. They have no idea that God is getting ready to quite literally rip open the heavens to reveal a spiritual reality that they've never experienced. And that they're going to be sitting front and center for this great announcement and God's going to invite them into it. I love these moments where the story of Christmas begins to break in because this extraordinary glory of God comes to just ordinary people like you and I. I love verse 10. My heart has been just enamored with this verse all week. I want you to listen to this. It says, do not be afraid. It's what the, the angel shows up and speaks to the shepherd. He says, I bring you good news of great joy. That will be for all the people. You know, I was thinking about There's been a lot of times in my life, a lot of moments where I've had friends or family and they'll call me up or they'll see me out and they'll say, hey man, I've got something, I've got some good news, I've got something to share. I don't know if you've ever had one of those moments before, but isn't it true that when someone tells you that, there's just something about our heart that just anticipates. What are they going to say? How are they going to finish the sentence? What is it, the the good thing that's awaiting? You know, I think about my sister a couple years ago and uh, she called and she said, hey, I've got some good news to share. My heart was just beating, going, man, what could it be that... uh, that's so good that she's calling me in the middle of the day to tell me about this. And, uh, you know, I love this moment because the angel shows up and he says, I've got something good to share with you. You just imagine the shepherds are going, what is it? What is it? That is, is, is changing this word, uh, this phrase, good news. I, I kind of learned earlier this year, uh, we talk about this, uh, the, the, the gospel or good news a lot here at church. Uh, this sentence, this phrase, it goes back a lot earlier than the, the, the birth of Jesus. In fact, it was a phrase that was used a, a long time ago, and, and it meant it was a declaration that something has changed. 
So all throughout history, uh, when, when the gospel would show up, when the good news, it was just a, an objective moment in the course of human history that said that something has changed. And I want us to see this because these angels show up and to appear to these, these shepherds, these ordinary men, and they say, I want you to know that, that something significant has happened. And that which has happened is going to result in great joy for all people. Not just nice people, not just good people, not just the people who go to church and who do good things. He said, this is going to be for, for the wicked and the evil and the mean. And this, this is for all people. I love how this story starts. I don't know what your uh, tradition is as a family and what you do around Christmas. I want to challenge you so many times, you know, as when I was growing up, it was just easy to let the story of Christmas just to kind of wash over me intellectually and never let it get a hold of my heart. But what you see as you start reading through the story, and you should read it the next couple of days, is that everyone in the story responds to this great news of Jesus very differently. And so you have Herod, he hears the great news that a Savior's come, and he feels threatened. Or you have the Magi, they hear the great news that a Savior's come, and they go on this long journey. Or the church people in Luke chapter 2, they hear it, they're completely indifferent, and yet there's something about the picture of these shepherds. And I think Luke wants us to see this. He's going, listen, there, there's something in the response of these guys. They hear this great news that Jesus has come and, and their first response is to seek. And because they seek, they will find. And because they find, they will share. And I know you can't turn back there, but I want you to remember the words of verse 15 for a second. The angels make this huge proclamation. So they say, great news, God is here. Great news, God is doing something. And the, the first response of the shepherds is, hey, come, let's see what God is doing. Come, let's go investigate it. You'll notice this all throughout the scriptures is that spiritual breakthrough so often happens when ordinary people choose to allow God's in, informative presence to invite them into something different. And so Moses is walking through the desert and he sees the burning bush and he sees it and he goes, man, that's unusual. Let's go see what's going on. Or Philip and Nathaniel in John chapter one, they see Jesus and they go, man, that's unusual. Let's go and see what he's doing. And the whole course of these guys' lives is getting ready to change because they don't just see the Christmas story as informative. They see it as an invitation to something brand new that something is changing. So I love the way it kind of unfolds here. I think it's so neat that the only prereq prerequisite for them to to discover that, that Christ is real, that he was good, that he really was of God, was, was they're willing to, to, to seek it out. Because they're willing to seek it out, they found it. I think this, this word found kind of intrigued me this week. And in verse 16, it says they, they found Jesus, they found Mary, they found Joseph. And that word, it doesn't mean to stumble upon. And so it doesn't mean that they were just going about the ordinary day and they happened, oh, there's, there's Jesus. No, they were looking for him. And I think that's significant for us. I don't know if you've ever read the scriptures, how much you know about God, but I know that there are a lot of people who show up here week in and week out. And you go, if you're being honest, you go, I don't know God, but I want to know him. And I've never heard his voice. I don't know if he's real. I don't know if he's kind, if he actually loves me, but, but I want to know those things. And I think this story, what's so amazing is that, that you can. The only prerequisite is, are you willing to seek out? To see if he's, if he's real, if he's good. So Jesus tells in Matthew chapter 7, if you seek me, you will find me. Or Luke chapter 11, if you're willing to seek after my heart, you will discover that I'm good. And I think the scripture just invites us. Are you willing to seek, to discover that Christ is really uh, who he says he is? And it says that they did it in a hurry. That they quickly, when, when, when God had, had captured their curiosity, they immediately went to see if, if everything has happened the way that God said it would. I was thinking about when I was a kid growing up in uh, my house, and uh, Christmas time just kind of makes me think about uh, the way that I grew up and our traditions and the way we did things in my family. 
you know, there was never a Christmas morning that passed where my parents had to, to walk in my room and wake me up and convince me to go see the gifts that they had given me. <laughs> Reality is, every Christmas morning when I woke up, the first thing I did was go and wake my sister and my brother. We ran as fast as we could because we were eager to, to see that which had been given to us. And I love this picture because when, when, when Christ stirs our hearts for him, there's nothing that will stop us from finding him, discovering that he really is good, that he really is who he says he is. Yeah, I just love the progression. They hear the news. They seek Christ. They discover Christ. And then they begin to share him. It's verse 17. It says, as soon as they realized that Jesus was everything that the angels had told him he was, they went into the town telling everybody. You know, these guys didn't wake up that day going, hey, we're going to be great evangelists. They didn't wake up thinking that they're going to change the world. They didn't think they're going to quit their jobs. None of those things happened. They weren't motivated by fear or guilt or by a sermon. They were motivated by encountering the very real presence of joy that's found only in Christ. And I love this picture. You know, I'll just be confessional. There have been moments in my life where I've thought, why don't I share the gospel more? Why don't I share Christ more? I don't know if you've ever wrestled with that or not, but I've wrestled with that a lot. And so for seasons, I'll try to share it, you know, I need to be more determined. I need, and it's like, no, these guys, they have a clear picture of Christ, and their clear picture of Christ is the only motivation that they need. There's something in our souls that is hardwired to share the things that we enjoy the most. And so nobody has to convince you to, to share, you know, you find that new band, and you tell everybody you know about their latest record, or, or, or you find that new restaurant, and you want to let everybody know on social media that you found it. Or I think about my wife. Anytime she tastes food that she enjoys, she wants everyone at the table to try it. Hey, try this. You know, this is delicious. And there's something in you that wants to share it. And I love this picture of the shepherds. They see God, and they realize everything's changing. I was just wrestling with that this week, going, man, I wonder if any of us are coming into the next few days expecting January to be different because of the 1 1 counter at Christmas. I wonder if you and I have any legitimate expectation that God might show up in a tremendous way in our homes. I wonder if any of us are anticipating that the calluses of your heart towards a story you've heard so many times might be gently removed by the hands of the Holy Spirit so that the presence of God can grip your home again. You see, I really believe that the Lord longs to do something in us. And that so often it's in the unexpected moments, in the mundane when the glory of heaven just seems to break forth. And the question is, will we be the types of men and women that can notice the Lord at work in the midst of ordinary moments? And things begin to change. This is the Christmas story. When I was growing up, one of my favorite toys was a slingshot. It was the compromise that my parents made with me before they'd give me a BB gun. And so if you know how a slingshot works, the farther you pull back the sling, the further you can launch the rocks or the glass or the nails or whatever it is that you're trying <laughs> to shoot, right? You just pull back and you launch it. And this is the way that the people of God have always worked in the scriptures. You'll see this over and over and over is that they come into their homes a few times a year and they think back on what God has done among them. It's as if God is proverbially pulling them back in his sling, and he always pulled them back into the story of the Passover, into the story of them crossing the sea, into the story of God's miraculous miracles. He would pull them back so he could launch them forward. And I think about this very strategically and importantly as we're getting ready to move into a season of being in our homes for the next couple of weeks, and I go, the Lord will only launch you as far as you're willing for him to pull you back. How deep will you go with your home, in your home? How deep will you go with your neighbors? I wonder what he longs to do in the midst of uh, this season together. I want to encourage us. Um, you know, Christmas season is the time of year where we get to be around family that we, see very, that we don't get to see very much. We get to be around friends that we don't see very often. 
And I really want to encourage us in the, in the midst of that to think about how we create a space to encounter Christ together. You know, what would it look like if our Christmas tables, we didn't just sit around and talk about the weather and talk about the Titans and talk, whatever it is that we talk about, but we, our hearts were just so enamored by the goodness of God that we couldn't help but talking about it. I go, I think those things, they don't, we don't just stumble upon those. I go, what does it look like for us to, to seek the heart of God, to, to seek God, to seek His glory, to seek His compassion, to seek His kindness? My experience has been that the moments that I'm, I'm willing to, to really be with God are the moments that, that His goodness just flows out of my heart. And I go, when I go into Christmas going, oh, who, who can I need to tell about Christ? It, it never seems to work out that way. Uh, instead, the, the, the most effective ways that I've seen in my own heart is when I've just gazed upon Christ. Because when you see him, you can't help but talk about him. I go, imagine how much more amazing this season would be if we really just gazed upon the glory of Jesus.